welcome to Numbers on the Board, half of Studio 41 Radio on 97.1 The Freak. My name is Bobby Corella. Joining me, as he always does, but for the first time in a while, Jeff Skidway! Woo! So I'm on a podcast I do with you that's on the radio station I do. This is multi-dimensional. I can't even comprehend what's happening, but I'm happy about it. Just a convergence of so many things. Yes. Radio, podcasts, you, me, the Mavs. YouTube. Yes. It's all happening. You ready to get freaky? Oh my God, yes. Me too. Me too. Thank God. Okay, so if you're listening to this, there's a 50% chance that you've listened to more than 100 of these bad boys before. Because Skin, you and I have been recording this podcast since 2017. That's right. But you might be in the other half which is thinking, what the heck is Numbers on the Boards? I just thought that was a hit song by Pusha T. It is. Skin, what is Numbers on the Boards? Numbers what are, what on are we the, doing? Numbers on the Boards is the kind of Maverick podcast that you need that gives you uh, sometimes statistical and analytical uh, information because that's one of the things that Bobby specializes in. Sometimes just Maverick ranting and raving. Uh, sometimes historical context because I'm old. And then your mama bear worked for the Mavericks forever, so you grew up with the Mavericks. So all things Mavericks, of all that just combined into one big jambalaya of, of Mavsness. So sometimes we get nerdy, sometimes we get emotional, sometimes, but it's always real Mavy. Mm. It's always real Mavy. Always very Mavy. Yeah, and, and, it, mavy. And, and that is a great Pusha T song, and it seemed to fit whatever we were going to be doing. Yeah, it was your idea. I can't take credit for anything. Wasn't our very first episode with Dennis Smith Jr.? It was. It wow. was. That's how long we've been in the game, man. That's how long we've been in the game. And now he's on his fourth team? Uh, fifth had team. a really good debut with the Hornets. Yeah, fifth I team. believe. In a big win over the Spurs. Let's go. So shout out Junes. Shout out Junes. Um, okay, Skin. Yep. We're talking Mavs, of course, here on Numbers on the Boards. The Mavs did open up the season. Mm-hmm. Wednesday night in Phoenix. They looked good for a little while. Yeah. Until they didn't. Frustrating, they huh? They ended up losing 107-105 thanks to a Damian Lee kind of horse shot. So before we talk about the game, I think it would just be healthy. We all had you know high expectations, high hopes coming into the season, so we're all amped up, ready to go on opening night. Right. We want to see him win, and then they kind of maybe give one away. So now all of that excitement turns into just wrath. Okay. So I think it would just be healthy yeah. and cathartic right. to just – vent a little bit. Let's have a little vent sesh. Let's get all the bad all the bad out of our bodies so right. that we can talk real smart basketball here. Do you want to start? Uh, yeah, I'll start. Damian Lee, dude had 11 points in the fourth quarter. Yep. He almost outscored the Mavs in the final seven and a half minutes of the game. You know, yep. he had less than five points or less more often last season than he had scored in double figures. And you let him score 11 points? I mean, what are we doing? What are we doing? I have another thing. We're going to go back to stand-around offense when we really need things to click. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. We're going to get stagnant all of a sudden. I'm not happy about that. That angers me, Bobby. Christian Wood, 25 points in his debut. Spends like the last nine minutes of the game watching from the bench. What's going on, man? What's the deal? Hey, but by the way, while you're sitting on the bench, think about making a free throw, man. I mean, what are we doing? We're Three missing out of ten. We're missing thirteen as a team, and we're losing by two. Give up twenty-four points in the first quarter. That's pretty good. I'm yeah, not venting about that, but twenty-two of those points in the paint, a what? bunch of putbacks. What? Stop the dribble penetration. 
keep these guys out of the basket. I thought we signed JaVale McGee to be a rim protector. How come Cam Johnson's getting just a, it's a layup line in the first quarter? What's going on? Hey, Spencer Dinwiddie, stop reaching, buddy. We only have two real playmakers. We can't have you in early foul trouble at the start of the third. 50 seconds into the quarter, he's got to sit on the bench. Unbelievable. Hey, I thought this team was deep. How come some of these guys are missing jump shots? They didn't shoot 100%. What's, what's happening? Hey, Jason Kidd, do something, man. You're the coach. Like, what's going on here? You have nine seconds left after Damian Lee hits the game winner and Luka just walks it up the floor just ever so just kind of I, I thought we went through this last season against the Thunder all these other teams race the ball up the floor get into your offense Dorian Finney's with his wide open in the corner pass it to him do something faster hold on I'm not done I okay. thought it was right. the summer of okay. Josh Green you had a point in 18 minutes or whatever it ridiculous was. I'm outraged you did get a lot of rebounds though I, I don't want to pick on Josh plus 18 I mean. Okay, okay, okay. All right, I feel, feel better. Good. I feel better. Was any of that valid? I think it all was. I think it was all valid. I see you. I, I see definitely you. heard you. Okay, I heard you too. And uh, you're valid, man. Well, you're validated with me. Thank you. Okay, so let's, let's dive into it. So for the rest of the segment, we're just talking, we're talking Mavs Suns. We're going to talk about moving forward. We're going to talk about, you know, maybe a little Grizzlies. We're going to talk about all sorts of other stuff right. in the second segment. But let's talk about what happened last night. Do you want to start with the good or do you want to start with the bad? Uh, and then we can end with the opposite. Yeah, well, I feel like we just kind of started with a big pile of the bad. So why don't we organize the bad and then go back to the good so we can do the building thing. Okay. You, okay. you okay with that? All right. So I want to take you to what I thought at the time was the key moment of the game. Christian Wood scores 16 straight points mm -hmm. for the Mavs. It wasn't a 16-0 run, but he scored 16 points in a row for Dallas. Including a bank three. A uh, step back, ridiculous <laughs> bank three. He's going to the basket. He had a couple post moves that were really nice. Dude completely took over the game. Yep. Puts the Mavs up 15, 93-78 with like 739 or 731 to go. And it was great because Phoenix had got all the momentum and then he reversed it all and got it back. Yeah. yeah. Phoenix had already gone on like a 15-4 to run right. at that point to right. come back into the game. He kind of silenced that. And then Phoenix calls timeout. Christian Wood goes to the bench and Phoenix immediately goes on another huge run 29 to 12 for the rest of the game it was immediately I believe a 15 to 4 run to turn that 15 point lead into a four point lead then they kind of traded baskets for a little while other than just Kristen Wo Christian <laughs> or Kristen Wood uh -huh. uh, neither of them were in the game Kristen right. or Christian right other than him simply going to the bench what happened why did the offense suddenly just come to a screeching halt uh I don't know other than it, I think it's real easy to say, see, these are the times where we miss Jalen Brunson, you know, to have a, a, a secondary offensive spark uh, that consistently was able to do it and do it off of Luka. Right. Um, that's super basic after one game. By the I, way, did you watch the Knicks' opener? So I saw a bunch of highlights from it. I saw the charge. He, t I don't think that was a charge, but he, good for sure him. He got the call. I, I'm, I'm a big believer that a charge should be square. That was a graze across. But he was in position, and we've seen him do that, and he's a super smart player. He made like five plays in the final couple minutes, and I was just like, nine assists. damn you, Jalen. Didn't he have nine assists? Uh, at least. Yeah. Probably a tenth, because he, he made sure I had a good game. Okay, so that, that was, was yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's good. Yeah, but they, uh, yeah, some other sort of creative. It feels like whenever Luka and Dinwiddie, maybe this is just a, a venting thing, but maybe we're onto something here. It feels like Luka and Spencer maybe haven't figured out the, 
the dance the way that he and Jalen have. Well, that, I think that'll take time. But I also think, you know, I don't care who you are, when you start the third quarter with your fourth foul and they get ice for 12 minutes, because I thought he was pretty good in the first half. Yeah, he had that um, one pull-up screen transition. Just yeah. losing confidence. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, that, that will take some time. And I think that – I also think – they did the and that we've seen them do this before, but they did that thing where they're like, "We're good," and you know, Chris Paul's not out there because he's having a crappy game. Wasn't that weird? Yeah, and I just don't think. I mean, this is really pathetic, uh, and I don't think it was intentional. I think it was subconscious, but I don't think. I think they thought we got it. We're good. We're not worried about you know. And they got super casual. There's times where Luca gets super cash. Uh, Harp said something last night where, I th- and I think this is what he was implying. Uh, he was talking about like there was one point where Luca just went between his legs, you know, and, and Harp was talking about he's got to do those things to keep himself engaged. Yeah. Kind of like the idea that it's too easy for him, especially when you're up double figures and there are other teams, Hall of Famer, top 75 player, isn't doing anything. So they do that at times in the last couple of years. They just get super cash, and then you just can't do that in the NBA. And a lot of times they did it early or in the third, and then Christian Woods saved their butts, and then they did it again and couldn't reverse it that time. felt like Phoenix really picked up the defensive intensity, too. It's not just like it's right. not all on the Mavs. Right. Phoenix really looked like a much different team in the second half. And at times it feels like when the other team – ratchets it up a little bit everything becomes a little less easy yeah and then maybe it takes you five minutes to kind of recalibrate you know and okay so think about this too i i get what you're saying and i would also say that that whole idea of them like and we got this it kind of happened if damian lee doesn't hit that shot they call that timeout what are they down four is it four or five when they call the time it was four then it became five with the technical right so they're down five with whatever it was, 140 or 150. And then they totally manipulated it back and tied it up, and then they played great defense, and Damian Lee hit a stupid shot. Yeah. And now it's suddenly eight seconds to go, and we're still super cash. And so that's I was talking about this with Ben earlier today when we were doing Mavs Talk on the Freak. It was like, I don't love that shot, that that's the final shot they got, that they settled in that way, but also like, it was just barely short. I mean, it almost went in. It, it did was, almost go It was in. online. It looked good. It looked good. And so I don't want to, like, I'm not going to beat up Luca for not making a last-second shot. I'm never going to be like that. But I do feel like, and that's the pace he plays at. That's how he plays. But I'm used to, with eight seconds to go, really trying to compromise the defense with speed and attack. Mm-hmm. And Especially hope- because the previous two trips – he was able to get, yeah. I mean, no one can stay in front of him one-on-one, not right. even Bridges. So, know. I, you know, we're, hey, let's get inside the mind of a super genius. But I know he's thinking I'm just going to get to the spot on the left side of the floor and hit a game winner. Mm. That's what he's thinking, and he was just short. I think, too, it looked like he and Dinwiddie maybe got a little mixed up. You saw Spencer like, okay, should I screen for him or not? Right. Well, okay, oh, no, Mikhail Bridges is guarding me, so if I screen him, Mikhail's going to switch, so then I should just get out of the way. Right. But his get out of the way was to Luca's left hand, yes. which is exactly where he wants to get to. So right. it kind of, you know, I guess most players, most right-handed players are going to want you to clear out to his left hand so that he can go right. Yeah. But Luca likes leaning back into that step back. Right. And he's hit that shot so many times, too. It's like, okay, you can get mad at him forever, but at that point you're just – I think the issue is more with, like, his nature 
than with that decision because we just know that's what he wants to do. It's, that's the shot he wants to get it's to. It's not that different than the Clippers' playoff shot. I mean, it's a little further back, you know? Mm-hmm. But, so yeah, I don't... It's just one of those things where that's the player that he is. Us being accustomed to a guy with eight seconds just going in full attack mode, not really what he's ever done in that situation. He's trying to get to a spot. Yeah. yeah. How much of what happened on defense, I haven't gone back and rewatched it. I'm not going to lie to you. So this is all from recall here. But how much of what you think happened on defense, especially in the first quarter and down the stretch, a lot of points in the paint, a lot of breakdowns, is that just JaVale McGee's first game? with this team is that uh you know Christian Wood and Luca maybe and Tim out there too those three kind of more offensive minded players like right. are these serious issues that need to be addressed or is it just this was our first game together I think it's really more of the first game because I think they have the firepower there were those stretches where Maxi was the 5 there in the 4th and they got bodied you know they got muscled pretty good but they got muscled a lot during the game switching off these smalls on Aiden and Aiden was punishing them yes so uh i think that those are all correctable things like i don't worry my my worries about this team really all have to do with injury uh because they just don't have the depth to withstand i mean at one position at the playmaker spot they don't have the depth to withstand it they didn't have the depth to withstand foul trouble no so that's my only worry i think the pieces you know when you talk about javel and maxi and christian and guys up front I, and, and even Dorian in certain scenarios, I think the pieces are there. I'm not concerned about that, and I think it's a lot of the same guys that exhibited last year. They know how to execute the system, and I believe in the people that are implementing the system. So I think this is super minor, and I'm not trying to be NFL guy here. They played three preseason games, you know? Uh, I'm not saying we should play eight like we used to, and you know maybe four would have mattered, but uh, I didn't think... I didn't think they they got off to a bad start either. I mean, hell, they were punishing Phoenix in the first half. They got cash. Yeah. And so those attention to details and those sorts of things, it's funny the way we look at Phoenix. I mean, or at least I know the way I look at Phoenix and things I read is like, all right, hard decline. Maybe Chris Paul's finally at that age, but they still got some ballers. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, if Damian Lee's going to play like that for yeah. them, they're going to be good. But, I mean, Booker's awesome. It looked like Aiton is not experiencing a lot of drama and uh, uh, sorrow after what happened. It looks he's like he's fine. He's still experiencing foul trouble. He is. That DeAndre Well, Aiton. you know what's interesting is the half where Phoenix was in foul trouble, Dallas clobbered them. And then the half when Dallas was in foul trouble, Phoenix clobbered them. Yeah. It was like two evenly matched teams. Right. You know? Uh, so it would have been interesting to see what would have happened had Dinwiddie not picked up the fourth. But you could say the same thing for Aiden because he sure. was, in many respects, you know, I don't know how many points Booker ended up with, but it was Damian Lee down the stretch. felt like throughout most of the game, Aiden was their most impactful player. Yeah. Most kind of the biggest problem player. He was causing the most attention. He, he needed the most attention by our defense because, yeah, yeah it was, the matchup wasn't. Yeah. Now maybe it means because they were focusing so much on Booker. So, like, maybe that's kind of a byproduct of it. But – um. Yeah, they Phoenix looks really good, man, and they get to play at home, and you know they're tough to beat in that building. That's a that's a disappointing loss because, and I know we've talked about this off air. I mean, the West is just so exceptionally strong, uh, top to bottom. I mean, I think it's going to be like two games separating four through eight, maybe even three through eight. We'll see. 
I mean, I kind of feel like there's the Clippers and the Warriors and whether or not Denver joins them, we'll see. I'm, well, you I, saw what they did in Utah. I, what God. happened there? So I only saw the score. <laughs> Lost what? by about 75 is what happened. Utah's doing a bad job of tanking. Let yeah. me, you know what? I will say this, though. Not, I mean, I know we're doing Mavs Suns here, and uh, I want to stay on time, but the, the as soon as they got Sexton and Markinen, I thought, that's not a tank. They're good players. Now, Sexton's coming off injury. I don't think they're franchise-changing players, but they're good players. They're lottery players that have put up numbers in the NBA. So I was looking at that going, that's not a tank situation. I don't see how you can tank with mm. those guys playing significant minutes. You're going to get wins. Um, now, I didn't expect them to <laughs> pound Denver. Yeah. Uh, no, we'll see. I think that uh, so in Cheskin, there's what's called an in-between move. Okay. Where you and your opponent both know what you're going to do. Like, their bishop is hanging. You're going to capture their bishop. But before you do that, you're just going to capture a pawn on the other side of the board, too, just to kind of be like, uh -huh, you know, F you, you know, just to complicate things a little more. Right. If Utah is ultimately going to go for lottery balls here, why not just get a bunch of tradable players, like, before you do that? Like, why oh, not just make one move later. and make another move later? Okay. You know, yeah. so we'll see. Or maybe they're, maybe they're going for six. You know, who knows? If you beat Denver like that, who knows? But The Spurs last night said, this is how you tank, friends. Yeah, <laughs> Papa's like, I'll show you this how This is talking. how you, trust us, we got Tim Duncan. Let me, have you ever, you've, have you ever heard those stories? He of, lost 50 in a row, man. Dude, uh, there was one particular spur from that team that uh, I met one time, and he was telling a story about, you know, he was putting his sneakers on before a game, and Pop walks in and said, you, you need to go ahead and take those off. <laughs> I mean, like, it, when they do it, they do it right. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. You're um, not going to need your sneakers tonight, buddy. And just this go is, ahead, and uh, they did that to Miles Turner. Same yeah. thing. He stepped on a ball boy's foot. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. You know, I've seen it's happened to me. It's happened yeah. to you. Yeah. Um, okay, so you know, I don't want to end on too big of a sour note. What right. were some things in order for the Mavs to blow a 20-point lead? They had to get a 20-point lead first. So, what from last night can we walk away smiling about? Um. Well, one, I thought there in the first half, I thought the attention to detail defensively was good, especially in that first quarter. Now, Phoenix missed some shots, too. They had some looks that didn't drop. But uh, I, it, it, during that early stretch, it was miss and clear the glass. Yeah. Which uh, I suspect when JaVale's out there, that's what they're going to be. Uh, I certainly believe in that. Um, obviously, you could see how this offense is going to function with not only JaVale and his ability to just be right at the rim for really easy lobs and or when Luka gets pushed further out, he just flies it in there and JaVale's that big target. Those are easy buckets that, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, looking at Mav fans in the past, they've had their questions about Dwight Powell and his function. You and I have always been like on the Dwight Powell wagon, but it's different with a target like that. Yeah, I love that, and I love him clearing the glass on the other end of the floor. That stood out in the first quarter as being something that's going to be really effective. I think that it might take, I don't know how long this takes, because it took Dwight years. Now, JaVale obviously is 34 or whatever. Mm -hmm. Dwight was like a rookie when he was figuring this stuff out. But right. it is going to take some time for Luka and JaVale, I think, to figure out the moves, right? Luka does, when he goes left, he likes to step back and shoot. When he yeah. goes right, he likes to go to the basket. 
So if you're the screener, you got to know, okay, which side should I go to? Right. And if they send two or if they switch, then what happens? Like, there's a lot of... Where do I present bends. myself yeah. for yeah. what this man likes? And, we saw, and that's different than Spencer when you're setting a screen on Spencer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we saw Luca be very demonstrative with Christian Wood throughout the preseason, like, no, right there. Right. Like, he's, like, being really forceful about it. And that continued last night. So that that's going to be, like, a constant line of communication for both of them. Yeah. Um, for Luca and JaVale and then Luca and Wood. It's going to take longer with Wood because of the system he was in last year. I uh, am probably being negligent calling it a system. Yeah. And it's not a knock on anybody. <laughs> no point guards. That was take-your-turn basketball. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit, different personnel, but, you know, the 3J era where Dick Motta just rolled the ball out there. That's what the Rockets did. They just weren't as talented as that, that Maverick 3J team. But it was... Go play basketball, guys. Let me know how it ends up. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there's the the drum to get Christian Wood to start is banging. You know, it's been banging all summer. But I think the fact that you bring him off the bench, and whether it's with Luca or Dinwiddie or neither, eventually maybe Compasso or somebody else, he can just kind of do whatever he wants. So you can still play that sort of roll the ball out there and just figure it out thing. Right. You're doing it against backups. So you can just destroy them. And then whenever Luke is in, now you go back to more of this this lawful, less chaotic brand of basketball. I'd like to see what that backup unit looks like if Tim's not having a an off night. I mean, I suspect he'll he'll get a groove going. Hope so, man. Yeah. Hope so. Um, we'll talk a little bit about the future after this, but game one of the year. Just get all the bad vibes out. Exhale. Yeah. All just right. Do it. NBA is always setting up the maps to fail. Adam Silver, we <laughs> see you up there in your ivory tower, man. You big jerk. Yeah. What fourth time in seven years you got to open up the season at Phoenix? It's, it's enough weird. is enough. Yeah, I think the Mavs should have had that game last night in Dallas. I agree. Why do you Why do you make us take a plane to Phoenix? I know, man. Think of the environment, Adam. Yeah, we're already here. It's definitely an environmental issue. Yeah, come on. Uh, all right, coming up next, we're going to talk about maybe some Mavs Grizzlies, maybe some Western Conference, maybe the rest of the NBA. Just stay tuned and see where things go next. Numbers on the boards, and we are back. I'm still Bobby. He's still skin, at least I think. Yeah, it's still me. Okay, all right. Same guy. Thank God. Okay, so Saturday night, Mavs Grizzlies, home opener, John Morant. Yeah. No Jaron Jackson Jr. How long is he out? Like till Christmas time? Kind of unknown. Yeah. I think at least least Turkey Day. Yeah, Maybe we're talking weeks, maybe Uh even a month. Right. Dylan Brooks didn't play. Uh, Desmond Bain lost a lot of weight, but he's... Still is he playing still basketball. Jack? He is still he is a little bit, but he lost is, ten pounds. Does he still uh lift weights at the free throw line to stay pumped up? I think so. His biceps can bulge at so. all times. And he's still from TCU too, just right down the road. How could they have not seen him skin? I know. How could they have not seen him just yeah, right down the road? They saw him, they just made a mistake. Yeah. Well, unless Josh ends up being everything we want him to be. Absolutely. And guess what? Because Maxie's, you know, they could have had him and he was at Garland. He grew yeah. up right down the street. So. Yeah, and uh, Desmond Bain wasn't plus eighteen in Phoenix the other night. So how about that? How about that? Um, Memphis a little a little beaten up. No Jackson. I don't know about Dylan Brooks' status. I don't know if that's like a day-to-day thing or what. This is a game that if you want to be like a real super serious team, this is a game that you come out and win. Yes. I think if the Mavs play with the same level of first-half intensity that they did in Phoenix, I think they'll be just fine. Right. Um, coming off that loss, hopefully, uh, and being with it being the first game at home, hopefully you see a little fire out of the gates. Yeah, and I'm of the belief going into this season that Memphis is a fallback team. I just they, – they were the two-seed last year, right? Yep. Um, and like 21-4 and four without Jaw or yeah. something outrageous. And now, you know, I, 
I feel bad going, well, no way, because give them credit for what they did. It's extraordinary, and it's coaching, and it's player buy-in, and it's talent, and it's, it's all of those things. But, like, one of the conversations that, that happens when people start looking up and down the West is they go, uh, I'll give you an example. New Orleans, right? High expectations. Well, you got C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram, and then Zion is your best player if he's at full strength, right? Or, you know... There's this debate about these three badass stars at the top. And then they go, well, the Mavericks have Luka, and then who's your second best player? Well, what's the difference in that? And going, Memphis has Ja Morant, and then what's your second best player? Now, uh, Jackson Jr. is great, but it's you never. I've never seen them go, oh, here you go, Jackson, go get us buckets, let's get out of the way, mm. which is kind of like when we talk about these types of players, that's what we're ultimately talking about. And quite frankly, you know, Jackson Jr. has a higher pedigree and obviously a higher defensive pedigree, but there ain't a ton of difference in him and Christian Wood, you know, as we just talk about this sort of thing. So uh, I think if you have that conversation about the Mavericks, you absolutely have to have it about Memphis too. Memphis wins because of a system, because of depth, because of player buy-in and all those kinds of things, and then one singular badass, which is how the Mavericks win. If we're talking about intensity... The Mavs sometimes maybe have problems with that. That's one thing Memphis no. never lacks. Yeah, it's, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's in the water, but ever since they've ever since they got Hubie Brown there as their coach, they adopted a junkyard dog mentality, and it stayed there. Mm -hmm. Like that's you know for all this amazing stuff that we talk about with Jerry West history, him hiring Hubie Brown. I don't know if you remember the way those Memphis teams played. They played ten dudes. And they picked you up at midcourt, and they fouled the crap out of you nonstop until the refs just stopped calling it. That's what happened. And I've heard Hubie Brown talk about this. We had to train the refs how to call our games. That's a quote I heard him say. Think about that. That is, that's some real genius basketball. That's what Draymond Green did. Draymond Green trained the refs to call hit the way he plays a certain way, which is how he can get away with defending Mark Gasol in a playoff series, right? Yeah. And so, so I, I guess what I'm saying is Memphis for a while now has adopted this, and they kept it on with Tony Allen and the grit and grind and on and on and on. And I think this current group of guys, they're all different, they're all new, but it's the same thing. They're all chewing on nails and they're all pissed off and they're all coming after you. Yeah, Dylan Brooks, Stephen Adams, yes. draw very intense guy. Yes. I mean, it's it's up and down the roster. Right. So I hope I hope no one's uh, thinking that I'm like taking Memphis for granted or I'm taking them lightly. I just think if we're comparing talent and rosters and all that kind of stuff, I think they have the same issues that conceivably the Mavericks have. And there they are. They were the two seed, and the Mavericks were the you know four or five seed in there, and then they got to the Western Conference Finals. So we're still talking about high level stuff. Um, but I think much like the Atlanta Hawks last year, I think it's going to be really hard for Memphis to keep the pace they did last year. The West is too good. Mm -hmm. um, so having said all that, and then you talking about the guys they don't have to start the season, yes, would you say if we're a serious team, we win this game? And I yeah, agree now, with that. There's a scenario in which you play really well and lose. You sure. know, it's not like sure. you know, uh, Luka's legacy isn't on the line right. in this game or anything. But your home opener, last season you were 3-1 and one against these guys. Yeah. They're very good. Yeah. They're going to come right at you. Are you going to, you know, 
I don't think that they're going to wilt or anything, but I mean, you got to go out there and play hard. The Mavericks know? played a, well, I'm just throwing a number out there, but it seems like the Mavericks played a good 35 minute game yesterday. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have to go play a 48 minute game or at least 46 and a half. Uh, to to really handle the Grizz because of the style in which they play. Now they did destroy Memphis twice last yeah. year. Yeah, I mean, I'm they they won in Memphis. I think by like twenty five. That was a national right. TV game. Memphis came to to Dallas. Dallas beat them by. They were up thirty in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So you know, the Mavs, Dorian, I feel like does a better job against Jaw than maybe anyone else in the NBA. He's yeah. just really, really good against Jaw. That length matters. Yeah, and forcing him left. You know he wants to go left, so are you going to force him left? Or are you going to take his left hand away, and then he's going to try and get left, then you force turnovers? I think he had like eight turnovers or something on on that game in Memphis whenever Dallas beat him. But I'm glad that you brought up New Orleans because if we're talking Memphis as a popular pick, kind of take a step back. Uh-huh. Well, New Orleans is one of these teams that are projected to kind of maybe take a step forward, right? Right, right. Feels like the Mavs are also one of those teams that people are expecting to take a step back. They are you lose Brunson. Yep. You gain Wood, but okay, it's different. And so, how can you? How comfortable can you be trying to stay in the top six whenever you're like looking over your shoulder, like, oh my god, okay, Zion's coming. Oh my god, the Lakers. We'll see. Yeah, the Lakers, are, whatever. But like the Lakers are playing basketball. Dame is back. Jeremy Grant's playing. Like, you know, how can you? How confident are you with with where the Mavs stand in the West? Obviously, it's only one game, but kind of the way things have, have shaken out right now. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm confident that the Mavericks will continue to play their style of basketball at a high level, but that's kind of what I was talking about earlier when I said I think there's two-game separation from the four to the eight, you know, seed, uh, you know, and then you're in a play-in situation, right? So uh, I, I just think that there's, you know, it's going to come down to health. Uh, I know that's a real generic thing, but they're, they're, these teams are all grouped together. So then it's like, what happens externally that you can't control and how does it impact your team, whether it's personal things between players or injury issues or those things. Like, from a talent standpoint, uh, you know, the Clippers are, to me, light years ahead of everybody else, and you put Golden State right there with them because of who they have despite their age um, and their system, and they're coming off a championship. I suspect Denver makes a leap, but... You, I, we could live in a world where Michael Porter Jr.'s back is uncertain and Jamal Murray's coming off surgery or, you know, missing so much time, and there's no guarantee for any of them. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if the Mavericks had a better record than the Nuggets, although I suspect the Nuggets would have a better record just looking at stuff on paper. Uh, but even still, I think that's, to me, it's like when the separation between four or five teams is two games, they're all the same, ultimately. Uh, you know, you just, okay, when I played that team, was I missing my best player? Because that stuff happens too. And so that's just the way a season unfolds. In the grand scheme of things, where do the Mavericks stack up? The Mavericks stack up to be competitive with any of those teams. Do they hold the fort down during the long NBA season to put themselves in a position to win a couple rounds in the playoffs? And then after that, you never know if you're, if you're going to go in there and beat the 64-seed team. I'm sorry, the 64-win team. Right, mm. they did that last year because they have Luca and they have other guys playing their role, so they can go beat the best team. They're capable of doing it. They did it last year. This team will be in that same kind of a boat, even without Jalen Brunson. There's going to be times where they miss him, but there's also going to be times where having Javale McGee and Christian Wood is going to be better than having Jalen Brunson. Like all that is going to balance out. They're still an upper tier team. Uh, you know, after the top tier, they're with that mass of all those other teams. So now it comes down to injury, 
uh, rest, you know, load management, all those kinds of things, and how they play out over the course of an 82-game schedule. And you'll get looks at these teams pretty quickly because yeah. it's Memphis at the home opener. Then you're going to New Orleans. That's another national TV game. Then in November, Denver's coming here twice, right? Playing a lot of these top dogs early. And about Denver, you know, Jamal Murray goes a year without playing basketball, year and a half, something like that. Michael Porter Jr. played what ten or fifteen games last year, and then didn't play right. it all again. It could take them a month or so to right. kind of get their sea legs, but because everyone's going to be separated by like half a game, right. a month of bad basketball could cost you. Yo, big time. And we've talked about this so many times. Like last year, the Mavs started nine and four. Was the basketball good? Not really, but they were still nine and four. And right. you can cash out those wins at the end of the season. They're going to count the same. Yeah. You know, sex points don't count. Right. right? Sexy points. Sex, sex points, points that's count. a different <laughs> sport completely altogether. Yeah. yeah. Sexy points count, don't count. Sex points, uh, debatable. Yeah. But then at the end of that 13th game against Denver, Luka goes down. He missed a couple weeks. Mavs start losing. Luka comes back. Doesn't look the same. Misses more time. Mavs keep losing. Mm-hmm. They had a month, month and a half of real bad basketball, and it right. almost cost them. They ended up fourth, but it almost cost them a top six seed. Yeah, like they got home court advantage because they won seventy five percent of their games for four months, which right. is very hard to do. Right. So if you're Denver, if you're the Mavs, if you're the Pelicans, heck, if you're Phoenix, even if you're the Clippers, like one bad month, even at the early of the uh, early portion of the season could cost you because then the rest of the year it feels like you're having to sprint a little harder to catch up with everybody else. Yeah, and then that becomes taxing going into the postseason. And 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 then we're like talking about, you know, how much of a load Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie have to take on. Like the Mavericks are are saying all the right things about how they feel about this team and they should. And it's based on the fact that a version of this team just went to the Western Conference Finals. We can debate the Jalen Brunson thing all day long, but it's there's, there's a real similar core to all of this. Um, but having said that, you know, I mean, on the night of the Spencer Dinwiddie, Davis Bertans trade, our GM stood up there and said, we know we're not done. We know we're not a finished product. And he didn't mean we just got to get in the gym and work harder. He meant all the pieces aren't here yet. When they are going, you have a chance to be a championship contending team because you have Luka. And then you have a lot of other good, really good players that play their role but they know they need another heavy lifter. They do. Uh, and so does that come at the midseason point? Does it come next offseason? Does it come the season after that? These things are always based on when you have a star, a superstar, where is he in his contract trajectory? Well, Luca's starting year one of a five-year contract. So realistically, even though people don't want to hear this, you got to look at this as a three-year window. And by window, I don't mean to get it done. I mean three years to put the team together that's going to go compete for the championship. This is going to be a competitive, fun team, uh, and they've, they've got a lot of strengths. But they know they, know they have moves to make. They're not, they're not lying to themselves. Uh, but uh, you also don't go there. Jason Kidd doesn't go in there and practice and go, all right, guys, we need to replace some of you, but I want everyone <laughs> to play hard. I mean, that's not – If they, you play well for two weeks, we might trade you. Right. And and so and I don't I still think Jason Kidd believes he can win with this roster, but so much of like all of the and this was a big discussion after the Mavericks won the championship. We're talking about Dirk and stuff and uh, the guys they needed to get around him and why they let members of the championship team go because they're like, all right, we did it. That's a really hard way to do it. 
And that's why LeBron's like, I want to go play with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. And then all of that starts because it is so hard to go through a season and win a championship. And if you want to win multiple, you've got to figure out ways to make it easier on your best player. And Dirk maxed out everything he had at that age to win a championship. Asking him to go back and play another 82-game season and then do that again was not a winning formula. He needed help. They didn't get it done. They made moves to try to get, can we get Chris Paul or Dwight Howard or Darren Williams? Can we get these stars around him? And they didn't get the star. And so then you look at that as that's a failure. But that's what the thought process was. And quite frankly, if you looked at the NBA, the thought process was right. They just didn't execute it. Like, was that same team going to go beat the Heat the next year? Probably not. No, they weren't. First of all, older players get tired playing back-to-back 100-plus game seasons. That's why the Spurs never really stacked them up like that. So, you know, there's a mentality of, in the modern NBA, you got to get these at least two stars together without sacrificing all the other guys. And so that's what the Mavericks are thinking about. But they're not going to wave a white flag and not go compete until they do it. It's really tough to do that, too, because with how many picks you have to trade to get a guy now. And like, they, they, they whiffed on Porzingis. Yeah. And, and I was for that. Yeah. I yeah. Was, I, mean, I, I, I love that trade. I loved it, too. I loved the trade. Yeah. Um, they have been pick-strapped. It's not like they're cash-strapped, right? They have all right. the contracts, but they don't have any picks. Minnesota traded 100 picks for Gobert. That's it for them. Yeah. They can't do one of those moves again until 2030. And they need a point. Yeah. Did I say that out loud into <laughs> yeah. a microphone? I mean, they can't make a trade literally involving a first-round pick for 10 years. Right. Like, they're done. They're done. Atlanta, they just traded three picks for DeJounte Murray. Their next pick that they can trade, I think, is in 2028 or 2029. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, when they inevitably trade their two first-round picks, they won't be able to make a trade until 2031. And so the Mavs right now are kind of in the situation where they can't make a trade because of their past trades. After, you know, unless they finish in the top five or top ten or whatever it is this year, they'll be able to start making trades. You know, they'll right. have all their picks, which is good. Right. Um, but that's kind of the, the price of poker right now. Yeah. You, have, you have one move, and you, have to, you put all your chips in the center of the table on one trade for Rudy Gobert or one trade for DeJounte Murray or one trade for Donovan Mitchell. And if you fail, like, Tough luck, man. Yeah, and that's, that's like, what the Mavericks are dealing with right now on the Porzingis deal. Yeah. And, and, and look, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dinwiddie played way better than I thought he was going. I mean, what, he hit like 43% of his threes for the awesome. first month he was here? He was awesome. So that wasn't in the scouting report, but he did it. So that salvaged a lot because that felt like a massive step back at the time. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up fueling a, a, a Western Conference Finals run. You know, the KP trade acquisition was very popular, and it was good. Number one offense ever and two playoff appearances and all that stuff. But it didn't really work out. The KP trade departure was hugely unpopular, and it worked way better than the KP trade yeah, ever did. Pretty, you know? pretty crazy. Yeah. You just never know. And, and I guess really we'll never know how that trade works out until those contracts expire. Right. Or are extended or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's still kind of an incomplete grade on that trade because, you know, everybody can be moved. I guess that's not really tampering to say. But you know what I mean. Yeah. I think you know what I'm saying. I know what you're saying. You catch my I catch your drift. Is that that like a baseball sign? (laughs) Isn't this from the, you ever seen the classic movie The Sting? Uh, Yeah, it's been a thousand years. You're really old. Yeah. You were in line when you said you're old. A little Paul Newman action. Yeah, don't they... They kind of take their 
it it looks like they're uh, casually doing party uh, chemicals. Oh, they're doing blow. <laughs> Maybe can we say that? I guess we could say that on the freaks. Yeah. So we were actually talking about that the other day. Uh, Isaac brought it up. Like, can we say this on the freak? And I was like, I don't know. I think you can as long as you don't cuss. Okay. Yeah, just don't cuss. Okay. But yeah, you can say some edgy stuff. We're the freaks. Okay. Say what we want. Good. Except for cussing. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't like to cuss anyway. Obviously, uh, never. Saying what we want. Well, sometimes, sometimes we want to cuss and we can't. But for, saying what we want for families. Uh, yeah, you know, it's not, a big, not a big family station for people with families. Yeah, it's kind of like it's for people uh, with families. It was kind of like my dad, where my dad was like, "Hey, son, want to go see an R-rated movie?" Even though you're ten, <laughs> I'm like, "Hell yeah, bro!" Yeah, so it was definitely for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went with my dad to go see a lot of movies I wasn't supposed to see. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick for the final couple minutes here. Yeah, uh, Facundo Campazzo haven't seen him play for the Mavs. Obviously, we have seen him play a couple years for Denver. Is he a rotation guy like today, tomorrow, next week, two months? Maybe if someone gets hurt, what's the deal with, with Facundo? I really have no idea, uh, and I have not talked to anybody in the organization about how they foresee it. I probably assumed it was kind of like a Trey Burke sort of thing, even though they're very different style players, uh, where there would be four or five games where you don't see him. Um, he is now taking over the mantle that J.J. Barea had, where he is the Maverick that your average dude that uh, walked on on a D1 school thinks he can take. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You ever <laughs> met those guys? Yeah. There, was a, there is a major league baseball executive, I you not, that I knew personally that genuinely thought he could take Berea in a game of one-on-one. Wow. And wanted to play him. And I remember saying... I wish it would have happened. I remember saying, dude, I've played pickup ball with you. You're really good. You're better than me. You are out of your effing mind. And if he knew that, he would break every bone in your body with just driving the ball. Like you're on crack rock. <laughs> but whenever there's you a little say crack, okay. Whenever whenever Add there's the list, chopper. Whenever there's a little guy in the NBA, there's some guy that was like a fringe D one player going, Oh man, I can totally take that guy. I know I can. It's like, no, you can't. He's listed five eleven, one sixty five. Dude, he is five four, one twenty. But he is Tougher than an yeah. MF, dude. You don't he, play in this league at that size unless you're tough as hell, which is yeah. JJ was that way. Yeah. He was like a boxer out there. Yeah, man. and he'll defend. He can run the pick and roll. He's much more, he's obviously, you know, a foot shorter than Luca, but he's much more Luca style than Trey Burke, like you were saying. Yeah. He's an orchestrator. Is he not he's one of the most fun guy. guys to watch pass in the oh, league? Yeah. Oh, his passes are dazzling. Yeah. Anyone that is really into making bounce passes, I'm just, I'm a super big fan. Of yeah. Him. So I have very high hopes for, for Faku. I do too. I but, mean, uh, I, I think he'll fill a role. I just don't think there will be any heavy lifting for him. Yeah, but yeah. I think every minute we get to watch him play will be magical. That's what I'll say. I'll enjoy because it. Because he just plays with style. He plays with flair, which is fun. I savor it, and I enjoy flair, much like Todd in office space. I enjoy flair. Oh, well, I savor you and enjoy you. Is that a good segue? <laughs> I don't know. That sounded edgy. Can we say that? Uh, I don't know. Well, you're the boss. I don't know. Not really. No. Think about it. Yeah, maybe we can. Uh, we'll we'll revisit this next week. How about that? Sounds good to me. All right. Do you want to do some super secret stuff that we can't hear on the radio? Yes. This is pod only content uh-huh. here. Very excited. You have to be an exclusive member of the podcast subscription. Yeah, you have to get invited by someone. Yeah. So, well, if they're listening, they've been invited. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so you had basketball writer, aficionado. I would even go far. Go far. Uh, I would even go so far as to say basketball legend. 
He is. Mark Stein. He won the Kurt Gowdy Award for media work. He's decorated. He's Award decorated. Award-winning author. Yeah. Uh, you had him on your radio show for a full dang hour, dude. No, we, it ended up being 90 minutes. Oh, really? So we were going to do an hour. Yeah. And then, uh, like, we didn't get to everything, so we were like, can you stick around? He's like, yeah. So we did, like, an hour and a half with him. With Mark Stein. Have we said Mark Stein yet? Uh, I think so. Okay, good. Yeah, so we had a full company meeting earlier today that was supposed to be an hour, but that ended up being 90 minutes. I'm hoping that the radio segment was way more fun than that, so please fill me in on stuff. Did your thing end up looking like one of those Steve Ballmer deals where he was dancing up there and they had all the tech Honestly, that would have been better than what it was. (laughs) This meeting could have been an email. However, I feel like a lot of my coworkers (laughs) listen to the show, but I was just really hungry we yeah. had a we had a full pasta bar waiting for us and i was yeah. like come on let's go i want this some pasta is, this is me uh rubbing off on you because i love to go on the radio and take shots at executives <laughs> with iheart which will get you fired bobby don't do it um no so uh we got into you know season outlook and all that kind of stuff and it was great but also you know we've known uh steiny for a long time like when ben and i even before we were on the ticket we knew him we were doing some pregame show stuff with him when when the Mavs were on K-Star 49. So we go way back with him and know his story really well. We wanted to convey to the listeners some of those things like, how do you become Dirk's most trusted ally? Like, how does that happen? And, you know, he was there for year one of Kobe. He had a really unique relationship with both of those guys. And he was telling some of the stories, but a lot of it is media has changed so much. When Stein first got going or when he was a 27-year-old rider in L.A. when Kobe was drafted, there's no such thing as a team having a Studio 41 or having a staff with people like Dwayne Price, Nettie Sefko working for the team. Those guys had been with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and Morning News forever. Mm-hmm. And it's just the world has changed, media has changed, sports coverage, all that has changed. But back then, it was a very unique thing where a beat writer could, if he did it right, forge a relationship and Stein was able to forge relationships with Dirk, Nash, and, and Kobe. And obviously, you know, Kobe passed tragically, but that was going to be a lifelong relationship with Kobe, too. He's got a lifelong relationship with Dirk and Nash, and it's based on trust. He was talking about how, you know, a lot of people have come to him and said, I need you to write this book. And he's like, I'll never write a Dirk book because I owe it to him to not write it. You wow. know, he let me in in a way that I would never want to betray. And that's not saying like the amazing great Nowitzki book that Tomas wrote is not because Dirk knew he was writing that book. Yeah. But Tomas doesn't go back with uh with Dirk the way Stein does. Yeah, in fact, he'd never even met Dirk until after the Mavs had already won the championship. Yes. He met he didn't he meet him during the Oklahoma City playoff yep. series the next year. Yeah. Uh that book's incredible by it the way. It is really good. And I was talking to Stein about that. He's read that book. He loves it. Yeah. It's great. So Stein Goes to, uh, goes to Germany during the lockout, and Dirk is still playing for, like, a German team uh, in a German league over there. And he, the game is three hours away, so he gets in Holger's car and gets on the Autobahn with Holger. Wow. Like, he goes way back with this stuff. This is the first lockout, by the way. This is, yes. like, 1998. This is not the lockout in yeah. 2011. If you don't remember, Dirk was drafted... And then had to be talked into coming over here. He wanted to go play in Spain. Um, wasn't ready for the NBA. The Nellies went over there and talked him into coming over here. And then as Stein puts it, he was ecstatic that the lockout happened because he thought he wasn't going to have to come. <laughs> and then it got resolved and he had to come over. 
And so Stein was there for every step of the way on that stuff, and that forged a really incredible relationship. But he was like, you know, what I had with Dirk, I don't even know that it's possible anymore. Because for one, newspapers aren't letting beat writers go to Germany. Yeah. He was in Europe covering or going on a soccer trip, and he called the morning news. The morning news had a legendary uh, editor named Dave Smith, and he ran that thing forever, and they were always considered a top 10 sports section in America. Always, every year. So when he left L.A., this was a step up to come to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, but anyways, just having the ability to do all that stuff, it doesn't exist anymore. The budgets aren't there. All of that, it's just, you can't get that. And team access and player access is not the same either. I mean, no. obviously we got to, you know, we defend our guys and everything, but like there's a lot of degrees of separation between media and players nowadays. Yeah. Even if you're talking to them, you're not really, there's some distance. Yeah. And the players didn't have social media back then to control their own narrative, Right. So you needed to be buddies with beat writers. Like, I remember this so well. Uh, I have a great relationship with Don Nelson now. But man, when I was first doing the Mavericks postgame show, Don Nelson didn't give two S's about me. Mm-hmm. Like, because I wasn't Randy Galloway or Norm Hitzkiss. And Nelly... You were his guy. Uh, yeah, Nell, so what Nelly would do is Nelly had been run through the ringer, and Nelly's a poker player. And so part of it is keeping the job... You got to win, but part of it is how long can I keep this job and get this sweet payday so I can buy half of Maui? Like that's that's legit, man. I mean, that's that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. He had been run out of New York. Like he didn't have any media allies there. They they ganged up and then once the New York tide turns on you, you're effed. And so Nelly goes to New York and tells Patrick Ewing he doesn't want him on the block anymore. Patrick Ewing's immediately like, "F this" and bitching to the media and so it didn't take long for Nelly to get run out of there. So Nelly knows if I come there, I've got to figure out who the biggest barking dogs are and, and put them on a leash. Yeah. And back then it was Randy Galloway and Norm Hitzkiss. So if you weren't those guys, he didn't care about you. And so um, I remember going in there and asking some pregame questions and getting dressed down by him, kind of like, the, who the F do you think you are? Oh, wow. And I was intimidated. It's happened to me before. Not, yeah. by, not by Nelly, but by right. a guy who came a couple – Spots after him. Right. And, and, and the other thing, too, though, but I mean, I really like Nelly a lot. I'm not. Uh, but yeah, you visited Nelly. You've told a bunch of stories of your visit with Nelly on this podcast. I played golf with Nelly in Maui, and it's one of my favorite. And then he took my family on a crazy adventure, and it's some of my most cherished memories. You know, I'm, I'm not saying this to take shots at Nelly. I adore Nelly. No. Uh, but Nelly's a poker player. And, you know, if you've ever heard any of Kenny Rogers' fine work, you know how the gamblers roll. Oh, yeah. Um, so you need to know on their terms. Um, but, uh, you know, to get back to the whole point of this thing, as is, is Stein was breaking it down, it's just such a different era. And so he was there early on when Shaq was killing Kobe in the locker room. Like, they used to call him showboat, and it was not flattering. Like and the first couple years of Kobe's come up, kind of? Yeah. And we were also talking about Kobe's confidence. You know, Kobe's first playoff experience ended with him taking, you know, shooting an air ball in the season ending. That can wreck a lot of players. Mm-hmm. It only made that guy stronger. It's pretty amazing, the, the Kobe trajectory. But uh, so anyway, Stein was just kind of, uh, you know, just taking us through those days of being a, a beat writer back then. And we, we posted it. If you follow at Ben and Skin on Twitter. We took all 90 minutes and cut out the commercials, and it's all in one pod. Nice, okay. Yeah, for those who don't know, 
every segment of radio that you guys do is podcasted. Yeah, if and you it's go available to Adventist basically Ken. almost immediately after the show. Yeah, after the show we podcast it. Uh, and if you are gonna not listen to us live, listen to us in the first twenty four hours. We would love that. That helps us. Uh, but we want you know people to be able to hear it and get it when they get it. Yeah. Um, and our podcast download numbers are awesome. So yeah. thank you to the people who do that. Like. Uh, we pretty much quadrupled what we did at the fan. Oh, wow. I mean, it's like w- our podcast numbers are the biggest uh, for the Ben and Skin Show are the biggest in the iHeart family by down here in the South by a million miles. So wow. we have great listeners and we appreciate that. Well, let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, man. Well, now people are in on the secret. Yes, the secret is please just listen to the first 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, we get the podcast download numbers regardless, but we get the ratings if you listen in the first 24 hours. Well, that's the secret then. That's the secret sauce. Yeah, so go ahead and do that. Yeah. Well, this was fun, man. We First should time have doing one in a while. We should have Stein on numbers on the board sometime. We've never had him on the show before. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be cool. We've yeah. had a lot of greats over the years. Yes. But there is a uh, there's an empty space right here that's reserved. It says right here, only for Kurt Gowdy Award winners. <laughs> oh, well, he's the, the, the guy. Yeah. So I guess he's he's one of the only ones. So, yeah. I mean, you have to come on here. I he watches. We know he listens too. So. Hi, Stein. Go ahead and just come on here too, Stein. Yep. Um. Anything else, man? Any any final uh, parting thoughts, parting words? No, uh, just if you uh, do, you know, watch this on the stream and uh, or listen to the podcast. Check us out at ninety seven one The Freak. We've partnered with Studio Forty One. Uh, we're the home Which is of the awesome, Mavericks. By the way. I want to publicly thank you for that. Thank oh you no, for, hey, for thank you guys. It's a great partnership. We want uh, we want Mav fans to have places to go to get all this great Mav content and be a part of this giant Mav family. So. Uh, it's great for us. We love we love having the partnership. Yep. 97.1 The Freak. You can listen on the radio in Dallas and also in general radio Dallas areas. Yeah. You can also just listen on 97. You just Google 97.1 The Freak. You can listen anywhere in the world. And and we, uh, we have an iHeart app, and you can just punch up 97.1 The Freak or Ben and Skin, and boom, you're yeah. going. So if you live in Philly, if you live in France, if you live in Sydney, Australia. If you live in Philly, get the hell out of there as fast <laughs> oh, as you can. Oh, okay, as in... Get out of Philly, dude. I thought you were saying get out, like get out of here. Like, no, don't no, listen, no, don't be listening no, to my no, show no, if no, you're we, from Philly. No, we welcome everybody. We're just trying to save you. Get out of Philly. Ah, gotcha. Okay, okay. it's a straight butthole of a city. Just run, <laughs> just run. An important clarification. All right, man. Well, let's do this more often. Yeah. This will be uh, this will be on YouTube. This will be on Spotify, on iTunes, whatever. Uh, we're also doing it on the radio. So 97 One the Freak on weekends, two hours, Studio 41 Radio. Got me and Skin, me and Katya and Isaac doing a show called The Corner 3. It's really fun. Hope to see you there or hope you hear us there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see you there too. Yep. And yeah. Uh, but until then, until next time, keep doing yeah. sports stuff Yeah. with our friends. Yep. Skin, Bobby, numbers on the board. Bye. See ya.